And trust me, this is the first time ever I didn't go to Google. I didn't go to any references online. I didn't go anywhere. This is all completely what God spoke to me literally. Every word that I'm going to share with you today is directly from God, directly from Jesus. It's not from any references, anything from any uh, website or anywhere that I went. And even I was surprised because sometimes you refer and you try to understand how you are able to connect the thoughts and stuff. But this is first time that I am doing differently and hopefully I will be able to connect. So before we get into the word of God, let's put our hearts and mind towards God. Let's pray that you know whatever is coming from God, He will prepare our hearts. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing your people along, Lord. Father God, I firmly believe and I strongly believe that, Lord Jesus, everyone here today has come in for a treat, Lord Father. The treat that you have prepared for your children, Lord. And Jesus, every word that you have given in my heart throughout the week and whatever you have spoken to me throughout this entire week, Lord Father God, help me to deliver it to your people, your children, the way you have given it to me, Lord. Lord, I am just a messenger. I'm just a medium who is standing here, Lord Father God, to feed your people. Let that work be done as you have planned, Lord. Give me strength, give me energy, and prepare the hearts of your children to receive, Lord Father God. I submit each one of them into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name, I ask and pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we, we are doing a series called Familiarity with God, as you all are aware, and we kicked off that series with Pyle who has done an amazing job uh, with just one verse in the Bible and she just nailed it last time. And I was thinking, God, what else can I do? I mean, when someone sets, sets a higher mark, it's very difficult for you to go there and start pick it from there. They're asking God, what, what can I do? You know, what is it that you know, I can explain your people about being familiarity with God? What do you understand or hits your mind when you hear familiarity with God? Share random thoughts. What do you think? What do you understand by familiarity with God? There's no wrong answer. Just whatever hits your mind when I talk about familiarity with God. I hope I'm speaking to people. Everybody is awake. Casual. Casual. Casual, yeah. Okay. Casual. Relationship, yeah. That's the right one. Getting cold with God, yeah, yeah. Closer to God. Closer to God, okay. Anything else? Any any random more answers? Taking for granted. Taking for granted, yes. Is right. Any more thoughts? Let's see. That's one more thought. What do you think? No more thoughts. Stagnant, yes. Diraj. Being real, yeah, yeah. All those are right answers. There is no wrong answer. Everything what you said is right. So I was digging through and I got two answers. You know, well the word familiarity can mean two things. One, being having a good knowledge of something or being too friendly or informal. Or, you know, there's something that you know that you have it, but you don't care it anymore. 
that's called being familiar or being familiar to the things that we know or being familiar to whatever we understand we'll discuss more in further as we dig down deeper into the word but here if you ask me you know what is familiarity and this is from baba's translation there is no other translation this is from baba's translation you know this is something that you can touch you can sense you can feel you can understand and you know when it is around that's familiarity for me that you mean to familiar or be familiar with whatever is happening around that's my translation to give you a real example <clears throat> i'm a cricketer i mean a lot of people know. i mean at least richie know i'm a cricketer i play cricket and i'm very i guess i don't say very good i'm good at that game i play well and i'm very good in bowling batting and on all round so let's say if i'm batting and i'm on the batting field if a baller is coming from there i would understand what kind of a ball he's going to bowl by the way he's holding the ball by the run up the person has taken and the way the ball is being released i can understand and i can prepare my shot let's say if i'm a baller if i'm bowling to a batsman i could understand by the way he's standing by the way he's holding the bat and by the way the stands are there of a batsman i could figure out what kind of a shot is going to play and where i have to keep my fielder so that i can get this batsman out are you with me yes why do you think that i can so easily do that because i know that game i am very familiar with that game i know that in and out of that game about how that game is played i can influence someone's mind i can influence a batsman or a bowler to you know bowl something that i wanted or play a shot that i want that person to be played i hope all cricketers can connect that thought what i'm trying to say you know that's called being familiar with the game but there are two things which are very you know uh, dangerous when you get familiar once you are too good at it you know uh, you can easily win matches you know you can easily predict what's going to happen but number two which is most dangerous is you get lazy at the game you might lose your wicket you might lose the match as well when you're too familiar because you think that's okay it's just one of the matches out of all the matches that i'm going to play so it doesn't cost me anything so that's fine for me to lose it are you able to connect the thought what i'm trying to say so here now i want to share about three simple things that god gave me this week throughout the week that i was journeying about familiarity with god i'm going to talk about three things number one be benefits of being familiar with god number two damages which can occur with familiarity number three how can we avoid Number one, how to get familiar with God? I mean, we'll talk about benefits of being familiar with God. On that, how we can be familiar with God? You mentioned a few of the examples, but I want to ask you: What do you think will help me to get familiar with God? Again, there are no wrong answers. What do you think will help me to get familiar with God? Spending time. Spending time. Yes. Reading the word. Reading the word of God. Yes. having faith in god yes right anything from the left building the building the relationship with god yes anything else reading bible 
praying continuously, walking with God day in and out, that will help us to be familiar with God. You know, definitely, we can get familiar with God by reading Bible daily, praying, living a holy life, practicing His commandments. What is the greatest commandment of all, Bible? That's a half part of time. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul and mind and I'm glad. Ellie must be very happy. Ellie, if you're online, everyone is reading the Bible. So great. So they all are familiar with that. And also what Pritam mentioned, along with that, you're also honoring God's people and honoring men and women of God will help you to get familiar with God. Now I'm going to talk about few interesting people. You all know these are excellent men of God, women of God, uh, that you know in part of Bible you all read that. I'm just going to get a little familiar about it. How many people know David? How many people's favorite is David? Yeah. Surprisingly, no girl raised her hand. I'm shocked actually. He's the most handsome, you know, king ever Israel had. You know, if David, if I have to, before I get into David, let me ask you one thing. You all have siblings? Yes. yes. We all have siblings. Let's say your dad or mom is preparing one of the siblings, say getting ready with his best dress, her best dress, for putting on all the makeup needed and telling you, you go and do the course. Sorry, chores. You go and do the chores. What would you feel? Give me true answers. What would you feel? I'm not going to judge you by this. I just wanted to get some random answer. What would you feel? Upset. Yes. Jealous. Yes. Partiality. Partiality. Yes. You'll feel partial. Being partial. Yes. Favoritism. Partiality. Favoritism. Yes. Definitely. You'll feel anger. Yes. What is wrong with my dad? Why is he making only few of them ready, but not me? That's what was happening with David. You know, prophet, when uh, God decided that Saul is not going to be a good king anymore, and he wanted to anoint annoy another man of God to, to rule Israel, uh, God speaks to Samuel and he says, hey, go to Jesse's house. I'm going to show you the next king of the Israel. And uh, Samuel, you know, he's scared that Saul might put him to death. So he goes that I want to offer a sacrifice. So I'm going to Jesse. So he tells Jesse and he's preparing all the sons. And he tells David, go tend the sheep. Imagine what would be David thinking at that particular time. We don't know. It is not written in the Bible. So I don't want to make up anything. So here, father preparing the rest of the children getting ready to meet the prophet who was known, maybe the most famous prophet at that particular time in Israel, who was very powerful. He is coming to the house. Any father would want all of them to be blessed by that prophet. But here father chose everyone but David. I don't want to get into why the dad did that, but I just want to take the gist of that story. And here, David, rather than complaining about why my dad has done that, why he is not making me ready to meet prophet, uh, you know, prophet Samuel? But why only my brothers? He didn't, you know, fret over it. He didn't get angry. He didn't shout at his father or either the sons. He didn't say, "Hey, go." He didn't kick his brothers or anything. But rather, 
obeyed his father and he went to tend the sheep. Why do you think David was able to do that? Why do you think David didn't get angry, but he took the command of his father, went and you know started tending the sheep, and not just tending the sheep, but he started worshiping God, singing songs, and he was playing that times uh, the rock electric guitar, the harp. Like at that moment, it was the most trending rock guitar, and he was playing and he was worshiping Jesus. What made David do not get angry because David was familiar with God. He knew if the invitation was for David, he doesn't have to run towards the invitation, but the invitation will come towards him. That's why he obeyed his father's commandment and he went and he did what his father has said. And then you know the rest of the story. story. Samuel came. Uh, he, he said, uh, God, is it the one? No, two, no, three, four, five, six. And he says that the later, he asked, okay, do you have any more children? Then, father, then the father says, yes, there's one fellow who's standing the sheep. Uh, he's doing some work. He says, call him. And when David comes, God says, he's my chosen one. And we know Samuel anoints David and he goes. David's heart was fixed on, G on God. His heart was fixed on God, but not on the things what his father was doing, which is why God was forced to fix his heart on David. When you fix your thoughts, your mind, your heart on God, God will be forced to fix his heart on your purpose and your plans. David didn't run for it. He didn't go to what he was to what his father was doing, but rather God made Samuel call for the last son who was not even in the house. Many times in the colleges or in the schools that you guys are in, we all tend to see that, you know, why my teacher's favorite? He's professor's favorite. He's my dad's favorite. She's my dad's favorite. That's why she he gets everything that they ask for. We try to tend to get into that. That's the pit what devil wants us to get in. That's the pit what devil wants us to fall in. Because when you fall in that pit, you will be captured in that and your blessings will be taken away. David didn't fall into that pit. Rather, he went towards God and he was worshipping God. That's why the blessing came to him, but he didn't go for the blessing. Whenever you feel such situation around you, you don't have to run for the situation, rather run for God. And God will make that blessing run towards you. There's another very important person which I love, Daniel. He's my personal favorite. Anyone who loves Old Testament, they love Daniel in the entire Old Testament. Let's ask you guys, what would be your expression if you see hungry lions which are not fed for one month and you are thrown into that den? What would be your feeling? What would be your feeling? Done for the day, God, I'm coming to you. Your heart would fail, rather you get a heart stroke, 
regardless of what age we are and we get a heart stroke or we faint or the other most worst thing can happen the moment the moment you think you might already be there and here i don't want to get into the story you all know why daniel was taken into you know thrown into the, the lions den here daniel was thrown into the lions den which were not fed for almost a week or 30 days i'm not sure about the exact number but a week or a 30 days and here when she was thrown daniel was not scared or not even fear he starts praying did you ever pray when you see a lion in front of you the only thought would ever hit me when i see a lion is turn back and run i'm sure even if you don't agree 99 people will do this one i'm not going to judge but yeah this is going to happen but here daniel when he saw those hungry lions he started pray what was so different about daniel there how could he pray in such situation where usually people either run or faint or even by dead by a heart what made daniel so special we usually give up faith when we face fear but here daniel enabled faith when he faced fear i repeat that again we usually give up faith when we face fear but here daniel enabled faith when he faced fear the reason being daniel was so familiar with god's presence he lived in god's presence there are so many examples that i don't want to get in like how uh, the king chose to give the best food but they said no we give us only veggies because that is not what god wanted us to do and still he was you know god blessed him at that situation there are so many instances he was so familiar with god he know that wherever he keep daniel in the situation he knows that god will pull him out of it that was a confidence that was a faith that daniel had in god because he was familiar with god's presence that's why he was brought out of the situation what is your hungry lion today searching for a job a situation in the house or maybe some growth in your office the promotion which is ready for a longer time or some struggle that you're going through could be any anything that could be your hungry lion but what are you doing are you running away from that hungry lion or you're standing firm and praying in that moment when you face your fear when you face fear enable faith and the fear will take the second door and run away that's what happened in the case of daniel that's what different daniel was because he was familiar with god we'll quickly move on to another three very people the moment i said three people i'm sure you might have figured out the names anyone want to guess shadrach meshach and abednego there are three people here they were asked to bow down in front of their in front of the king but they say that you know no we only bow to one god one true living god and we will not bow down to anyone but here the king commands if not you will be thrown into the fire furnace and they said 
We don't have any problem, you do it. Go ahead and throw us. We are okay with it. Will you accept when <clears throat> something, such situation comes and says, okay, throw me into the furnace of fire? Don't answer, I don't want to hear any answers. But here, these three people were thrown into the fire furnace and it is written in this Bible clearly that not even their hair on the head was burnt. No matter how strong and how severe they turned the furnace, the fire furnace, nothing could harm those three people. Why do you think so? What was so different about those three people? What do you think they did differently? Because they were familiar with God's presence. They know that if I live my life clearly, if I live my life holy, my God will come for rescue. I don't have to fight those wars. There's so many times, there's a, you know, the battle, there's a song called battle. You know, this is not what you fight. You don't have to fight because the battle is not yours. It belongs to God alone. So it was not their battle to fight. It was God's battle to fight. And they gave up into that battle. And when they put three people, everyone can see four people inside because God was inside that fire furnace protecting these three people. Why do you think so much different about these people? When we are familiar with God and His presence, your sorrows will turn into success. Your fear will turn into faith. Your obstacles will turn into openings or opportunities. That's what happened here. Our courage in God can move His heart to control the situation we are in. That's what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego showed there. They showed their courage in God. The moment they showed courage in God, God's heart was moved and he couldn't stop himself. He had to come down to protect those three people. That's what happened there. You know, I remember, uh, I'll just share a short story before I move into the other point. When I was working with one of the organizations, I was doing really well. I'm known as a people's manager. So anything which does to go to my people, I fight for it, regardless of my promotion, whatever comes to me, because I strictly believe that my promotion comes from God, but not from humans. Anything will come from God. So there was one of the discussions that I was ha having with my senior manager, and he said, uh, hey, this is what we're going to do. I said, no, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. And I fought in front of all the managers, senior managers, all the people, assistant managers and everything and that he felt really bad. He kept his in heart. He's like, Ito kabhi to milega. I'll take care of this fellow. Maybe not now. So one of the uh, one of the discussions and after the team shuffle happened, he got an opportunity to go and complain to one of my directors that, you know, hey, this guy is not so organizational friendly, but he's more an employee friendly. So this kind of people will cause some problem to us, so you need to do some action. Then cutting the story short, my director calls me for a one-on-one -on -one meeting and I go sit with him and he says, I heard that you are not organizational friendly. Then I ask him, what is organizational friendly? 
He said, you have to do good to your organization. That's what I'm doing. I'm building good people in my team. In turn, that will return a good organization. He said, I don't care what all your thought process is. I'm giving you entire new team of 30 people. And you have 30 days to make those 30 people perform. And I'll meet you on the 30th day. If it is not happening, I'll kick you out without any notice. So you have 30 days to save your job. Again, cutting the story short, I get those 30 people. If anyone is in people manager role or ever worked in that, you cannot make 30 new people ever perform in 30 days. If you have worked as a manager or a team leader or you're part of any team, it's impossible. Because first 30 days goes to understand the process itself. You cannot make them perform. But again, at that particular moment, I don't know, for some confidence came in my heart, I said to my director, I'll take the challenge. You give me 30 days, 30 people, and ensure on the 30th day, the performance will be different. It was not me, it was the Holy Spirit who was speaking through me. And I came out of that room and I started shaking. What did I just do? I could have said sorry to that guy, and I would have maybe, he would have, you know, let me go, that's fine, now go do your job normally. But Holy Spirit didn't allow me. I went back to my team, I met the 30 new people who came into uh, my team. I spoke to them, I, these are the words that I spoke to them. I said, I know you won't believe in me. I know that I shouldn't believe in you because you guys just came into the organization. But I believe in God that He can do wonders. So give your best shot, I will give my best shot. Let's meet after 30 days and see how did we do. And I, that was the first meeting I took after the, I got the team. And 30 days, cutting the story, story short, entire teams on the floor were not able to even reach to the performance level that my team was at. I was at the top level performance of my entire organizational process. And the rest of the team were not even close. And here is what the director says. He comes to the floor in front of everyone on the floor. He says, there's something different about this guy. I throwed him a challenge that is impossible. And any one of you might have said that you know you are sorry and you might have gave up that challenge, but this guy took it. And I I'm, I'm so proud that he, he made it through that. And he shook hand on the floor and he left. Whatever the shame or whatever abuse he has done in the single closed room, God made him come out of that room in the entire process to glorify my God in front of the entire floor. That's what Jesus does. That's what God does. If someone tries to pull you down in a room, in a situation, in a bad time, God will ensure when you show faith, when you are so familiar with God's presence, when you are so familiar with God's power, He will make the same person bring out in public and glorify His name. That's what happened. That's what God still does. I want to repeat this. I mean, this came to me while I was praying. Our courage in God can move God's heart to control the situation we are in.
let's move and let's look into the damages which can occur with the familiarity. What do you think what damages can occur? I heard few, maybe you'll, you'll become lazy. Any, anything else that you guys can think, what damages can happen? Taking granted, yes. Maybe becoming more comfortable, more easy, more relaxing. Those are the damages which can occur. But what do you think might have happened in Bible? Do we really have so many stories of damages which occur due to familiarity? Yes, there are tons of stories. I want to bring only two stories to you. One being, you know, I was thinking, what example can I bring? Whom shall I talk about? There are so many instances. So I wanted to bring something unique and something very easy that we all can connect. Then I thought, what great example that I can bring than bringing the people of Israelites. You know, here there are a bunch of people where God was so worried about them, so tensed about them, he sent Moses from one place to the other place to bring out of Israel, out of Egypt, out of that slavery to bring them out. And you know what these guys were complaining about? Hey, we don't have food. We don't have meat. You bought us so that Egyptian can follow us and kill us? We don't even have water to drink. Are you, are you going to kill us by thirst? Forget about all this. If you have to sum up, there's one of the worst things that they have done is they built their own God when Moses went on top of the mountain to get the word from the Lord. What else can you think? Imagine you are in a situation where you are beaten every day. You are made to work more than expected hours. And someone got out of you that situation. What would you do? You and I will be so thankful of what a person has done. What it could have, you know, I was living a life of a slave. Now I am out of it and I can live my own life. But here, the problem is, every time they moved out, every time they moved their head, there was a complaint coming up. There was a point where they wanted to kill Moses also. They wanted to stone Moses to death. Can you believe that? But did God leave it just like that? These were the people who were walking with God. I mean, God was closely walking with them, walking with them by day and by night. By what? By pillar of fire or by cloud? God dwelled in the midst of Israel. That's what, that's what is written in the Bible. I am not making any words. That's what is written. It is said, God dwelled in between Israelites. He moved with Israelites. And these people start complaining. Because they were so familiar with God. They, were, they have seen God's presence so much. They have seen the miracles. Imagine if I see the, the river Jordan being split in two right now. I would give my rest of my life for Jesus without even thinking. I would not even worry about my food, my life, my family. That's what I would do. If I see that miracle. And these people lived in that miracle. 
Israelites lived in that miracle. They asked for meat, meat came morning. They asked for food, manna came in the morning. But did they still be thankful? No. Because they are like, that's okay. You complain, you go back to Moses. Moses will go back to God. God will send them whatever the request we got. That has become their pattern. And there were so many instances, God was fed up about that. And what did God do? Whoever was saved, where not even one person stepped into the promised land. But if you think that God will let go, no. There are few more instances that I want to talk about. Number 1632. Earth opened and swallowed the Korahs. Exodus 32, 28. 3,000 people were killed by the sword when they made golden calf. Numbers 20, verses 1 to 5. Serpents walking into the camp and killing all those Israelites. Do you think that was just happened by some reason? The snakes were going somewhere and they took a U-turn and came here. There are a lot of people that bite them. No. This is what God has sent the punishments for the things what they have done because they were not thankful about the presence of God because they got too familiar with God's presence. Number two. <clears throat> How many people know Priest Eli? Priest Eli? We all know, right? Who is Priest Eli? Okay, I'm not testing your Bible knowledge. So priest Eli was the one who anointed Samuel. Priest Eli was one of the most respected priests in those times. He was because that was, I guess the word was not so familiar at that particular time. And he was the one who was, you know, connect, contacting God and getting the information for people. Did Eli have children? How many children? Who are those? Who were Eli's children? Hopni and Finesse. So those were two his children. And he was so feminine. Let's say in current days, if I am a businessman, I'm a great businessman. I had a lot of, I own like 3,000, 4,000 crores of business. I have two sons. What happens next? I pass on that business to my kids, right? Let's say you're a government official. You got aged and by God forbid something happened. What happens? The child gets. That was, that's a condition that is followed and that was the situation around. Here, Eli being so close to God, was talking to God, yet the blessings didn't go to Hefner and Phineas. Why? Why do you think so? Because if I am good to God, the God should pick next. That's what happened in the case of Aaron. First God picked Aaron, then passed on to the children and then it went ahead. Similar with David and then it went ahead. Yes, but here it didn't happen. This is what Bible talks about these people. Bible says that Eli's sons were crownless. This is written in the Bible. I am not saying that. Please don't judge me with those judging eyes. I am not saying that. The Bible says that. And they have no regard 
for the Lord. They have no regard for the for the Lord. They were taking away what was being offered to God and not living a holy life. They were sleeping with the women who were in the outside the temple. I don't want to get into the details, but they were not living a life which was worth where God picks. And if you have to, if I have to get into details more, little more, Eli actually spoke to the sons. It is written in the Bible. They said, why are you doing all these things? Are you not scared of the Lord? Are you not afraid what God would do? Don't live such a life. That is not right. But it is said, his sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. For it was Lord's will. Again, it was Lord's will to put them to death. That means God decided to put them to death. If you don't regard God, God will not think to disregard you. Trust me. If you don't regard God, God won't think to disregard you. That's what happened here. God decided to put these two people to death. That's why the blessings went from Eli's sons to Samuel. Samuel was anointed. The honor moved from Eli's house to Samuel. When we do not honor God, God's honor will move to someone else. It will not wait for you. It will move ahead. That's what happened in this. You know, sometimes it's my fear again, and I don't know if you can connect. Whenever I do a lot of ministry, I do a lot of preaching, I feel that, you know, I'm doing great. What else can happen? I'm preaching, people are listening to me, I'm praying, people are getting healed, I'm able to prophesy over them, and I get into my comfort zone. I get into my zone of relaxation. I'm like, that's okay, fine, it's chill, I'm doing great. So rather than doing God's work, I start becoming God myself. And that's the worst place to be in. When we're doing God's work, we tend to take God's place when we get over familiar with God. So it's very important that we don't get over familiar, but just be familiar with God's presence. That's what happened with Eli's sons. And just few verses later, these two sons were put to death in a war. Not even few chapters later, just few verses later they are put to death. Because God already decided to put these two kids, two sons to death. That's what happens when you play with God's presence. That's what happens when you and I get over familiar with God. You know, I remember while explaining last week about uh, Jesus was not able to perform miracles in his own town. Why? Because people were too familiar. Hey, isn't this that carpenter's kid? What is he doing here? They got too familiar and they didn't recognize who Jesus was. So your familiarity, your over-familiarity our over-familiarity 
can cloud our eyes from seeing the true living God. It is very important that we don't get over familiar with God because getting over familiar will blind us to see the real truth. That's what happened here. And that's when Jesus was not able to do it. So he took, it is written, it, he took the blessing somewhere else. He didn't wait and he said, okay, let them repent. I'll give them little time, let them repent. Then I'll do the miracles. Did he do that? No. He just walked off out of that town and he took the blessings somewhere else. So how can we avoid damages? <clears throat> what are the things that we can do to avoid damages? I have four things to talk. I'll give one more example on how we can avoid this uh, damages to happen. Number one, hold and think. In any situation that you are in, hold a moment and think. To give you an example, Peter and Jonah, two men of God, two people who were chosen by Jesus, two walked with Jesus, two has seen miracles what Jesus has performed, two has known what Jesus is capable of. But did the destiny end up same for both of them? Both has sinned. Both has disregarded God. But did the end go same to what? Uh, for Peter and Judah? No. What do you think? What happened then? When two disregarded God, two sinned in the sight of Jesus, two, you know, rebuked Jesus. Maybe if I have to put it in a little today's words. If they both rebuked Jesus and no, we don't know. One was sold, one said, I don't even know him. But the, de but the destiny had different plans for both of them. Why? Peter, even after sinning to Jesus, he held, might have held, but excuse me, might have sat and thought, okay, I have seen Jesus. I have seen what he is capable of. I know he is merciful. I know he is forgiving. I know he is a true God. If I go to Jesus, if I go to Jesus, he would forgive me and he would accept me back and he will not let me have the same fate which would lead this to that could be possibly death. And we know what happened. Jesus comes to Peter and he asks, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Don't you know that? Three times ago, Jesus asked that and he says, I'm going to build a church on you. And there's one other person, Judah, who has sinned against the Lord, who knows God's heart, who knows the heart of Jesus, who knows that he's forgiven. But he didn't go back to Jesus because his sin took over him and made him go hang to the tree and kill himself. Two same people who walked with God, two who are familiar with God, two who are, who are who knows what Jesus is capable of, yet had no same destiny because we need to know on how to go back to God when we are in that situation, when we get familiar with God. One became the rock of the church, one got death. Yes. Number two, respect 
the presence of God. Do not ever take God's presence for granted. It is not so easy. Even when God called Moses, when he was going towards a burning bush, what was the, what was the first thing God told Moses? Hey, take off your sandals. Because this place is holy. Do not take God for granted. It is not what God wants you to do. There are so many instances in Bible where we have seen what happened to people who took God's presence for granted. I'm sure I don't have to remind you about the examples because you all read your Bible. That's what I figured out in all the messages that I've preached so far. So you all know, you can read it later. So you can never, we can never take God's <coughs> presence for granted. Because when you take God's presence for granted, God will never think twice to take you off the situation. And we've seen so many examples. Number three, glorifying Jesus for everything. That's what I was sharing the other day. You know, <clears throat> in my life, I call my life as a living brick. And the people who know my testimony can easily connect. I'm a living miracle. If people doesn't believe in miracles, they should come and talk to me. When you see so many miracles in your life, when you know every step of your life is an example of what God has amazingly done, there will be a point where you will fall down. Because your the presence will be taken over by pride. Hey, wherever I go, I get success. Whatever I do, I do well. I guess if I have to pick one person from Bible, I guess Saul might fit a right example. Yes? He was anointed as the first king over Israel. He was doing well. He was doing great. Then he started overtaking God's place. God's command was to kill everything when you capture something. But he was taking fit animals and saying, I'm using that for the God only. I'm not doing anything wrong. Whatever I conquered, in that I'm taking the best fits and I'm giving back to the God. But was that what God wanted him to do? No, it was a different plan. I always pray and I, I urge you all also to pray. When you see success in your life, kneel down and regard that credit back to God. Because every credit, every blessing, every miracle, every good thing that comes to you and I comes from God. But not of your ability, but not of our strength, not of our smartness, not of our knowledge. We might be the smartest in the room. That is because God allowed us to be smart in that room. If not, it takes a second for God to make a fool out of us in that room. So never, ever let us not take credit for what God has done. I love the way what, the moment I said Pritham that you know I never knew, <clears throat> you sing so well. He said it's what God gave me. I mean, that you could just take, could, could have taken a credit. Yeah, I mean, I have good voice. I have good uh, vocals. I have trained. But the moment you hear goodness about you, just regard back to God. I'm telling you, the moment you regard back to God, 
the heaven's door will open and a blessing will fall upon you. That will force God to bless you. Our job should be such a way that we should force God to pour the blessings out on our life. How, how much good will you do? I am out of my options to bless you. I am sure God will never be in that place, but I am just saying, God should think that I am going to be out of that options to bless you. That kind of regard we need to carry. So give credit back to everything that you give back to Jesus. Glorify everything that you do. Number four, find a mentor. I know this is a place where we always huddle a little here and there and we find I'm already smart. Why do I need a mentor again on top of that? Because your mentor will help you to keep your feet on the ground. And when you choose a mentor, be smart. Don't choose a mentor who is same of your age, same of your anointing, same of your thought process, or same of the knowledge that you carry. Pick a mentor who is someone above your anointing, above your knowledge, above possible, above your age, and try to keep the same gender because it will be easy to connect and share thoughts. I am so grateful for some amazing mentor that I had in my life, Pastor Yunus. Regardless of how great things that I do, whatever promotions that I get, whatever appraisals that I get, whatever success that I see at my work, he's the first person that call goes. He said, Aditya, this is what happened. He says, God is good in your life. Even if you forget to regard God, your mentor will push you to remind you that you know what good happened in your life is because of God. So he, him, him or her will remind you to regard back to God. They will help you to put your feet back on the ground. And some amazing friends that I have like Pyle, Ellie, like Richie, Milton and Pritam, we all are you know bunch of friends who are in the Lord. We keep encouraging each other. We keep pushing each other and we keep helping each other to be on the ground. It is very important and it is very easy. Trust me, it is very easy to get on the head. It takes a second. It's just a thought. The moment thought comes, the thought will start provoking. The, start, the thought will keep moving into the direction that you and I are not supposed to go. So find a good mentor who would help you to have your feet on the ground always, who will help you to not get too familiar or too over-familiar with the presence of God. Because it's not easy to live a life by having over-familiarity with God. And I've already shared enough examples from this book. This is a living book. Trust me. Let's close our eyes. I'll give you a little moment. I want you to flash the memories or thoughts that you know, there could be instances where you might have disregarded. Not intentionally, but unintentionally. You got too familiar. 
you thought it's okay, God will understand. It's okay, we have a loving God. It's okay. We have a good God. It's okay. He will understand. Dear brothers and sisters, if you say that God will understand, let me remind you, God will also think, my son will understand, my daughter will understand. Did you ever think in that? We always say, my God understands. But did you ever think that, you know, our father, our Abba father is thinking, we are sitting on that throne, that my son will understand. My daughter will understand. We serve an amazing God who loves us like his own, who never leaves us nor forsakes us. And in return, let me give you the good news. He doesn't expect anything, but he expects just your love back to him. You know, me coming from a different faith, I know how things work there. I don't even have to explain it to you all. It's not safe. To get salvation, to be saved, you have to offer sacrifices in order to get forgiveness. That's how things go. That's how things work. But here, we have a God who sent His Son as a sacrifice to forgive our sins. What, what else can I say? What kind of God we serve? The punishment which you and I were supposed to go through, God made His Son go through it so that you and I can be freed. I will leave up to you on how you want to perceive the presence of God and how you want to be familiar with God. God bless you all.